0: This is the Architecture and Design Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education,
1: and inspiration, only on MarketScale.
0: Everyone, Welcome to the podcast today. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. The world around us is filled with color, but what goes into the creation or the choice of that particular color? Whether it's the interior of a hotel lobby or the bricks of a house or the shade of lipstick, these choices don't have to be random and there are tools available to help inform these decisions. And here to help inform us about these tools and a little bit more about what color is and how it can be used is Phil Kenyon. He's the VP of color solutions for Chameleon Power. Phil, thank you so much for being here today.
1: You're very welcome. Delighted to be here.
0: Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited about this conversation because color is absolutely kind of all around us at all times, right? And, um, it really is. It, yeah. it, it really is. And you guys work in so many different industries. Just a, a glance at your website kind of shows the various uh, industries and, and the places where your work will show up. But give the audience an idea of some of the various industries that you work with.
1: Well it's pretty much every industry where color and appearance is a key component of the purchase decision. Um, but we, we focus primarily on companies like flooring industry, um, building materials industry, so brick, roof, siding, um, paint, but we also work with um, the fashion industry, um, manufacturers of, uh, of clothing and sports apparel. We work in the cosmetic industry, in the colorant industry. But as I say, it's, it's primarily focused on helping people make confident color choices or confident decisions when, uh, when color is, uh, is a major component or a major factor.
0: You know, I think a, a lot of us would like to at least think that on some level we we understand color, but you understand it on a on a different level. I think that you know most people can at least uh, empathize with the situation where you put a, a swab of color on a wall and you think, oh, okay, I'm going to like that color, and then you paint the entire wall that color, and then it doesn't turn out at all the way that you think it's gonna the way that you think it's going to look, anyways. So I think uh, yeah. a, a, everybody on some level can identify with the idea that that color choices and how color works. Um, takes on a lot of different forms and, and looks differently. But when it comes to these industries that you've worked in, uh, how has color traditionally been chosen?
1: Uh, that's a good question. It's um, it can be a somewhat combative experience, in actual <laughs> fact. Um, a lot of the companies that we've worked with, we have got involved in assisting them with their uh, color palette decisions. That's one of the one of the roles that we play. Traditionally, we assist companies with tools like visualization tools on their website etc that that help people with that that final um, selection but we also do work with a lot of these companies by providing them with tools and expertise that assist them in understanding the the process of developing your your color palette so um, you know we've worked with um, a lot of different companies probably one of the most unusual one was the uh, London crime lab who we're actually trying to, trying to figure out what colour blood was what, when it dried, but the wow. uh, that's that's one of the more unusual ones. <laughs> but the, the more normal sort of method for um, um, making colour choices is that you, you get very talented people together in a room who understand the uh, the artistry, the aesthetic, uh, that have their finger on the pulse for colour trends and colour forecasting. And they gather their inspiration from an, an enormous variety of different mediums. And generally speaking, what happens is that they kind of sit together in a, in a, a, a well-lit room they start pushing these colors around. Um, they, will, they will have maybe a shade of orange that they're looking at, and it'll be kind of the right shade, but they'll say, you know, I, I really like this shade of orange, but I want it to pop a little bit more, mm. or I want it a little bit deeper or a bit more intense. And then somebody in the manufacturing or the production side of thing kind of has to get inside the head of that person and figure out what, you know, what a bit more pop actually means To that orange, how do you define? In what way a color is different? Mm -hmm. And invariably, it's just kind of an iterative process. They they go away. They they will try and formulate that color. They'll bring it back, and it'll either be right or it won't be right. And in general, it you know it takes a number of iterations before you actually hit the color that the colorist or the color stylist wants. And that's obviously very expensive. Uh, It's very time consuming. And so we figured that there. We could bring technology to bear in that process of helping someone who has to make a color um, understand what the colorist means in terms of a bit more of this or a bit more intensity or a bit more pop. And then also gives the the creative person the, the tools that they need to be able to describe the color direction that they want to change or move towards in a way that can be manufactured more quickly and more easily. And so we we kind of form a bridge between the creative elements of the process and the production elements of the process. And so our tools help people um, generate and build palettes that have more objectivity in the process and um, and bridge the language gap between the, the various different definitions.
0: Right, that's, that's absolutely fascinating to me. And for me, I think about music, right, where you know what you like when you hear it, but sometimes it can be hard to describe what exactly it is. There's that there's that something in there, and what you're doing is you're able to, with color, take that certain something that's missing and find ways to actually define it using data and using these tools. Tell me how that's able to happen and maybe how these tools work.
1: It's actually funny that you should bring up music, um, as an analogy because i actually often also do use music um as that as that analogy
0: mm-hmm.
1: essentially you can you can look at color as being notes on a on a piano keyboard In in the same way as there is no bad note on a piano keyboard there's no bad color but if you start to just bang away randomly at all of the notes on a piano keyboard, you're going to just create a noise. It's going to sound awful. It's not going to sound harmonious. Nobody's going to like that, um, that those, those notes just randomly put together. But there are certain notes that you can put together that everyone will hear the harmony in. And these in music are called chords. It's exactly the same in color. There are certain types of colors that when you put them together, everyone sees the harmony in that. It's it, it another another way of defining the, the analogy is to say, you know, with certain styles of music you feel a certain way. If you were to p- play rock music, irrespective of whether or not you like rock music, if you listen to rock music, your heart starts beating faster, you, you respond a mm-hmm. certain way. If you play a lullaby, you respond very differently. Again, it's the same with color. Certain types of colors in combination will evoke certain physiological responses. And understanding that is a key to being able to create combinations of color and put combinations together that people are going to enjoy and feel the harmony in. And so we are able to define color in terms of a space. And we are able to show how colors within that space relate to one another such that you can perform analysis to understand kind of the human physiological response to color and also start to quantify color in a much more organized uh, organised fashion. It's It seems odd to sort of describe color as being you know, in a space, but there are mathematical definitions that uh, allow you to do that. Relativity. Um, I also use the analogy of a building to kind of define how you can give colors addresses, numerical or uh, numerical addresses that that create that definition. So, if you think about color as being a building. Um, Imagine that the bottom of the building is completely dark, and so when you walk into the building, kind of everything's black. But when you go to the middle of the building, there's an elevator. If you get in the elevator, as you go up each floor, you're actually moving towards white. So if you were to get off, if there's 100 floors in the building, if you get off at the 50th floor, you're at the mid, exactly the midpoint gray in that building. And then depending on which direction you walk away from the elevator, if you kind of walk east, you start to move towards the the most saturated form of red. And at the very edge of the building, that's the reddest red that you can see. If you were were to walk west, you'd be walking in the opposite direction of red, which would be green. And as the furthest you can walk in the building, that's the greenest green that you can see. If you were to walk north, you would be looking at yellow. If you go south, you'd be going towards blue. And every point in between there is a new address that is one step going from red toward uh, yellow. When you get to yellow, the next step is going towards green and blue and so on. Mm -hmm. And so within that building, you have office addresses that essentially describe an individual and unique shade of color at a certain whiteness and at a certain saturation. And so that color space is kind of known as as C Lab color space, which is the lightness, A and B direction, A direction being red-green and B direction being blue-yellow. So every color that is visible to the human eye can be defined in terms of a series of numbers. So that's a colorimetric value for a color. Mm -hmm. And by using those colors, we can objectify the descriptions and the definitions around color and around color palettes.
0: Wow, that's absolutely fascinating. And I suppose you alluded to this earlier, and I don't want to generalize people too much, but essentially what you've done is provided a... Almost a new language by which uh, the creatives and kind of the the people that that think about color a little bit more subjectively um, can communicate with those who are a little bit more analytic. Um, and analytically minded and think about, you know, want things explained in a more objective fashion. And so this is almost a, a language that is able to kind of bridge that gap and help those two differing kind of personalities be able to communicate in a way that allows for clearer decision making, uh, better understanding of what is trying to be achieved and, you know, able to be uh, set as goals, I suppose.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the language, in actual fact, has been around for a long time. There's, um, it's called uh, the, the color space is called C Lab that we that we work in mostly. C I E L A B C I E stands for Consign International Eclairage. L A B is the, the color metric values, and so this is there are various industry standard ways of defining color space color spaces. So what we've done is is create software that enables people to navigate those color spaces in a very visual way. So um, what our software does is it allows you to position these colors in a three-dimensional space on a computer screen mm. and be able to page through that space sort of one hue slice, one hue angle at a time or one lightness layer at a time and literally break down this, this you know, vast aspect of literally hundreds of thousands, actually millions of colors that the human eye can see, but break them down into little bite-sized chunks, if you will, little slices and layers and and, and chromatic bands that allow you to perform, like I say, this subjective analysis. So if someone were to say, for example, I think Benjamin Moore has more uh, muted colors than... Maybe bear does, or you know, they they somebody may say we have the best bright colors. Well, what actually constitutes a bright color? When does it stop being bright and start being muted? You know, when is gray no longer gray? We can model this in a in a three dimensional aspect, as well as being able to display it in sort of two dimensional tables and two dimensional grids, and bring order and simplicity to this sort of overall chaos that tends to be um, color space. (laughs) So when people are making statements like that, you know, often it's just not necessarily true. It's not factually correct. And what our software does is allow you to make those type of assertions and decisions by using objective data as well as subjective opinion. And so we're we're kind of blending the art with the science of color, and providing tools that let people communicate in a way that's understandable by all. You know, in, in general, uh, color marketing um, color marketing people are tremendously creative, extremely talented, but not many other people really understand what their gift is or how it works. Uh, we can bring degrees of Objectivity to that, and in in many ways, we can actually help the the artistic, the, the the color stylists, by really understanding the process that they innately perform. You know, people have a gift, right? Um, it would be kind of like, you know, Tiger Woods was a great golfer, but when somebody really showed him what the mechanics of his, of his gift were, he became the greatest golfer in the world. Mm-hmm. You, even if you've got a gift, you have to understand it and you have to work at it to perfect it. And in this day and age, you know, making sure you've got the right colors, making sure that your colors are competing well against your competitor's palette requires science as well as artistry in order to, to, to get that you know, get that message across and and get that level of understanding.
0: Right, right. So uh, part of what I'd kind of like to do is walk me through what, let, let's say I'm a, a flooring company, for instance, and we're, we're looking at um, you know different shades for, for flooring and that sort of thing. And we're employing all of Chameleon Power's um, suite of solutions. Walk me through what my decision process might look like and how it might differ from how it was before. So I have the availability, you know, to talk about color in a different way and to be able to Really pinpoint what I'm looking for, but then I can also um, kind of lay it out in space and, and kind of use virtual solutions like that. Uh, walk me through a little bit more about uh, what the full suite of solutions looks like for me if I am that flooring company and how that decision making process changes.
1: Sure. Okay. So within your palette, <clears throat> you know, if you're a hardwood flooring company or if you're a carpet tile company. Um, particularly if you're if you're a carpet company, your your carpet is made from yarns, and so your yarn library is is a set range of x number of colors. Let's say it's a hundred different colors uh, of yarn. Um, we can plot each of those colors in terms of where it lives in colors in this three dimensional color space, and say, okay, within this range of flooring from um, the, the, the red hue zero to red hue five, <clears throat> you may have six yarn colors or six carpets that contain those colors. Moving towards the orange, the next range of orange, maybe you have 12 uh, colors in that orange and, and brown section. And so we can literally take page by page by page as we go through each of these hue angles and show you in a three-dimensional plot how many colors you have that are sort of neutral versions of that, how many that are mid-tone versions, how many that are bright, how many are light, how many dark, are dark. We can also then show you for that specific hue family how many uh, colors your competitor has that occupies the same space, that same hue slice. And what you may find is that, you know, some of your, some of the hue slices you have an awful lot of colors and your competitors don't really care too much about that particular hue color. In other areas, they have a lot of density, and all of a sudden, you see that you're missing some colors. So when you start being able to break it down by these hue angles, hue slices, and chroma bands, you get a very finite and a very definitive roadmap that shows where you have strengths and where you have weaknesses. Now, on top of that, most of these companies get an awful lot of information about um, trend forecasting. So these are colors that are you'd see on the catwalk maybe, or, or, or there are, there are um, companies who literally study what's going on, in what way colors have shifted from season to season. We can again plot this objectively in color space. You can overlay a map of what the color forecasts are, for each of these families and again see where your colors live in comparison to what is being forecasted. By being able to plot these things um, objectively in 3D space, you can see visually what the shifts might be. So from maybe fall of 2009 to fall of 2010 to fall of 2011 and so on, what were the major shifts that you had between your collections? Were your competitors following those shifts? These are all things that it's very difficult to do if you're just kind of throwing a whole bunch of colors down on a table and trying to figure it out based on opinion. When you start to map these things and put them together in finite groups with finite data that you can build on year upon year. The picture becomes extremely clear and you are able to present your concepts and your ideas and back these up with hard facts rather than, I think this year things are going to get more yellow or I think things are going to get brighter. Wow. You can actually show the trends. You can plot the trends. You can lay the map in front of people and say, this is why.
0: Right, because then you also have a bank of historical data to rely upon, um, which, again, kind of gives you reference points about what has been popular in the past and maybe how things did. And you can probably merge that in with sales factors and say, okay, this did well, this didn't do as well, what was it that we missed about this? So you can really hone in on what exactly you're trying to achieve
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and and today speed to market is just so important right you know being able to to make these decisions um more quickly be able to get into production more quickly when you when you identify i need a new color here our tools will help you identify that in a way that you will have colorimetric values that the production people can formulate to because we're talking here about describing this new color that you need as not being this but a bit more pop now you can say here are the colorimetric values that you need to create a formula for in the dye stuff or the ink stuff or the colorant that you're making your product out of so whether it's plastic fabric paint ink whatever it is now if you're working with a numerical data that whole process goes so much faster and, uh, and so much less expensive because you're, you're not wasting time and money making things that aren't quite right.
0: Absolutely. Well the website is Chameleon Power. That's Chameleon, like the uh, like the animal, chameleonpower.com. Like the lizard, yeah. Yes, like the lizard. Like the lizard, chameleonpower.com. And uh, he is Phil Kenyon, the VP of Color Solutions. Phil, thank you so much for joining me today and talking a little bit more about um, the the various ways we can think about color and how we can change our mindset towards that and the solutions that you provide to uh, assist businesses in these in these decisions and in that decision making process. Thank you so much, Phil.
1: You're very welcome. Always happy to to talk about color.
0: Absolutely. And everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please go check out chameleonpower.com for more information on what they provide. And everybody, thank you uh, again for listening. I've been your host today, Tyler Kern, and we'll talk again soon.